It's time to clip your last good piece and dig in because the runout starts now. Today's show is brought to you by Outdoor Research. At Outdoor Research, it's not about summits. It's not about finish lines or sends. It's about the journey. Achievement is important. It helps keep our drive alive and our stoke high. But those moments are fleeting exclamation marks on our experiences. Outdoor Research understands that it's the hardship, the struggle, and the perseverance that makes us stronger. And they are committed to making gear and apparel that matches those values. Oh, our love style, comfort, and fun as much as the next climber. But they know that when the giggles stop and the jaws of the epic are snapping shut, your gear better damn well work. So when you're looking forward to that fun adventure that just might go south, remember that Outdoor Research will come along for the fun, but stay for the epics. Check it all out at OutdoorResearch.com or your favorite local shop. To free solo or not to free solo is not the question of today's podcast, but whether it is ethical to film it. Jimmy Chin and Chai Vassarelli's documentary film Free Solo remains just about the biggest thing happening in climbing right now. It's something that has haunted me and my co-host Chris Kalous since we saw it a few weeks ago. To be honest, we haven't been able to stop thinking about it. This is Andrew Bisharat, by the way, and you can hear our initial discussion in episode 7. That episode is merely an attempt to dry out our sweaty palms in the aftermath of watching this film. However, now, with clearer heads, we wanted to dig in and go a little deeper. Free Solo is not just a spectacle of Alex Honnold's obscene tolerance for risk. It also dances dangerously close to discussing the ethics of filming a guy risking his life. This film breaks the fourth wall. The behind-the-scenes story of struggling to shoot Honnold is as much a part of the story as Honnold's free solo of El Capitan. We invited our friend Mikey Schaefer to speak to us for today's episode. Mikey is a longtime climber and just one of the true authentic energies of our sport. He was also a DP, a director of photography on free solo. Honnold selected him as one of the few guys he could trust to be hanging on a rope beside him. Mikey also has one of the more interesting roles in free solo. Of all the camera operators, he was the one who seemed to be most genuinely distraught by what he was witnessing. If you've seen the film, Mikey is the one who's faced a cut to repeatedly during the climactic montage of Honnold's big climb. He's grimacing. He literally can't bring himself to watch. And yet, like we in the audience, he also can't look away. I recognize this as a device often utilized in horror and suspense films. Hitchcock was perhaps the original master of this technique. In this regard, Free Solo isn't just a documentary. It fully fits in the genre of suspense and thriller. And yet the thrills aren't moot or for mere casual entertainment. The consequences are horrifyingly real. We spoke to Mikey to hear more about what it was really like to have worked on this film for the past two years. Mikey shared some really surprising details and insights into his own experience. He also gave some really fascinating insights into the black box that is Alex Honnold's mind. First of all, thanks for coming on the show, Mikey. Uh, I appreciate making time to uh, call in from Portland. Yeah, uh, no worries. Uh, yeah, happy to talk with you guys. You and I have known each other for a while. You've been on my other podcast. And just give me a little bit of background about your connections to the Valley and uh, maybe how you ended up getting connected with this crew that's been filming Alex for the last couple of years. Yeah, I started climbing in Yosemite. I guess I was 15 or so. Um, I'm 39 now. So put in quite a few years. Um, I've 
climbed there, been there every year except this year, which is quite sad. I might actually miss a season for the first time in 24 years. But I was a climbing guide there for a long time, um, did a lot of my own personal climbing, and it kind of developed my photography career there as well. So I had worked with Jimmy in the past for other National Geographic projects. And when this project with Alex started to evolve, Jimmy brought me in and, and uh, yeah, we, we started chatting about it. Um, and yeah, it, you know, we got the go ahead to shoot this film and uh, yeah, Jimmy brought me on as the director of photography for it. Okay. So you're pretty deep. You weren't just a guy behind a camera. Uh, no, no. I mean, I was part of the conversation uh, early on. I mean, in development well before Alex was even going to solo El Cap, um, you know, the, the film started out with just a, a film on Alex and you know, Alex actually didn't tell Jimmy that he planned on soloing El Cap. Um, he told Chai first and Chai didn't even truly understand what that meant. And she just kind of told Jimmy, she's like, oh yeah, I talked to Alex today. And uh, Alex says he's thinking about soloing El Cap. And, you know, I think Jimmy just, you know, was like, what, what do you, what do you mean? And, uh, you know, I'm sure he always knew that was a possibility, but, it, you know, Alex just straight out said it. Hey, I'm going to try to solo El Cap. And um, so, yeah, I mean, Jimmy and I had a lot of conversations about that from the beginning of like, hey, do we actually even want to be involved with this? Is this something that we should do? And, um, you know, Jimmy and I are good friends. And so, yeah, we just kind of chatted over for, for quite a while before we uh, committed to the project. So, you know, in the in the film and also from knowing the backstory within climbing, uh, you guys were you know, on this, this mission to film him, or he was on the mission to free soil cap and you guys were on the mission to, to film him for, I mean, two seasons. Uh, what did that kind of look like in terms of what your life was like while you guys were, you know, there's the first attempt, you know, and in the film you're, you're, you know, it's like, you know, all hands on deck, but you guys, Honestly, we're just kind of waiting for him to make the decision. What did that look like just in your daily life? Were you just like hanging out and had you, to be... Were you just sleeping on the floor yeah. of Alex's van? Um, well, him I, and his girlfriend? I, I never had to sleep in the van, but uh, Claire Popkin, our other director of photography, um, I believe he did sleep on the van one on the floor of the van one night. He was in there many nights as the lights went out. That is for sure. Um, but, you know, we actually shot for more than a, a two so seasons. He's a person we really should be talking. Yeah, we to. should be. Oh talking yeah, about he, he's got the he's dirt. got the dirt. Um, <laughs> when you watch the film, most of the the footage that's shot with Alex and Sonny, Claire shot the majority of that footage. He's he's a a great great director of photography. He's he did the Warren Buffett doc. He did the John McCain doc. I mean, heavy hitter. This guy's like super pro. So yeah, some of those shots were really cinematic. I thought. Yeah, and I mean, he he's really good at like kind of uh, making himself not seen and, and really getting in there, you know, with those guys and not really changing the energy that much. And I think that really shows in the film, you know, where it's like the camera's there, but uh, he does a really good job at not really, you know, messing with the kind of the energy in the room. Mike, yeah, I'm familiar with your like photography career. I, I, I was curious, just had you had much um, experience just shooting uh, video? I mean, yes and no. Gosh, I, you know, I've actually worked on a uh, uh, behind the scenes cruise on a couple Hollywood films. Oh, I helped shoot a Toyota commercial, shot a Chase Bank ad. 
So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't really talk about it that much. You know, I try not to even talk about my photography career. I'd much prefer to be known as a climber um, and, and not a camera operator. But, um, yeah, so I would say I had a f- fair bit of experience, you know, before this project. One of the things that I thought was so fascinating about the film, I, I actually thought that your role in the film was one of the most significant parts of the movie in some ways, because you uh, provided this perspective um, at this crucial moment in the film where when Alex is actually doing the free solo of El Cap, where you've turned the camera onto your face and, and the audience gets to experience these vicarious emotions through your grimacing. Um, it's like a very, uh, it's, it, it, it touches back on like Hitchcock films. I, I think that was a common technique that he used where uh, the subjective perspective is, you know, of suspense is played out on the screen where we see someone watching this um, dramatic event happen. And um, we get to uh, experience those emotions through the, through these close-ups of this person's face. And it's, it's straight out of Hitchcock. So Mm -hmm. it added so much suspense to the movie. I thought Um, otherwise we would have seen Alex um, climbing the, you know, the route from largely from, you know, a fly on the wall, sort of perspective where you can't really know exactly what's going on. Um, so I, I just wondered how that footage made it into the final film. If that was a your own idea or if there, there was direction or, or talk about that creative decision. From early on when we started shooting, we talked about breaking what is pretty much known as, known as like the fourth wall, right? Where like, do we pretty much turn the cameras on ourselves? Do we make the viewer the audience aware of the camera crew right or or where like you know most sort of narrative films the 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 camera is not a character but often in documentaries you you really do turn that around and you're like you just acknowledge it and you're like yeah the camera is in the room and you get to see all sides of of what's going on um and when we started doing that early early on we had no idea if it was going to make the edit. We had somebody come and help us shoot um, a, a, another director of photography that's done a lot of films, been a nominee for Academy Awards. And he he walked in there. He's like, oh, you, you guys got to break the fourth wall. He's like, you got to shoot each other. This is going to be super important. Yeah, you have to do it. So, yeah, we, we started doing it. And, and so all the way through then the solo. Yeah, we, we, we shot it that way. Um, and that the footage of me was shot by Jim Hurst. Um, who's, you know, longtime climber, sound guy, uh, director. Jim's kind of uh, done it all. And um, it was great that he shot all that stuff because I, I do agree, though, it really like helps having me in there. And I think a lot of the audience can relate to me, uh, maybe as being the normal person in the film that is really scared and is like showing the emotion and is just is gripped. Um, yeah, I, I've heard a few people say they really relate to me in the film. Yeah, I thought that was such an important decision to include that footage. Uh, really, really elevated the film, in my pr- opinion. W- how much of that decision do you think was born out of just this moral or ethical dilemma of, you know, filming someone potentially doing something that would kill themselves? Is this like a a way to sort of cover your ass in a way, you know, ethically speaking, to show that this is, you know, something that you're uncomfortable about and therefore, you know, alleviate potential 
you know, a potential serious dilemma should the, you know, the worst possible case arise? Or do you think that this was strictly a, you know, just a creative decision to add suspense to the film? I, you know, I never thought about, um, I, I guess, protecting ourselves in that regard, like, you know, shooting ourselves. So, we, you know, we kind of were like, hey, we are concerned. Um, that was never talked about. So, no, I would say it's definitely more of a, a creative decision and a storytelling decision. And, you know, we kind of assumed a lot of people would find the process of shooting the film fascinating. I mean, some people definitely were like, oh, I think this part's going to be equally as fascinating as Alex. But, you know, from like a moral standpoint, I guess I wasn't that worried about proving to others, you know, my stance on it or, or, or covering myself that that didn't necessarily play, play but, into but it. But you were concerned, uh, you know, about the the potential of the worst possible scenario. I mean, that's part of the oh, film. Oh, 100%. That you guys are, yeah, yeah, no, no. I, yeah. I obviously like, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, that is real. Like, I was extremely concerned if you know, worst case scenario happened, like, you know, what would, what would happen? Like, I mean, you know, you can only imagine how I would be viewed in, in the media, you know, the climbing media in by a lot of people, you know, I mean, I, I, I worried about that. And, um, maybe that was a little callous where I was more concerned about, you know, how I was viewed than, than the tragedy of losing Alex. But, I would say if the roles were reversed, you know, Alex would be concerned about himself, you know, and I had to be concerned about myself as well. So, um, I mean, I was concerned, you know, if things went sideways, like, was it going to end my career? You know, were people going to be like, oh, man, this guy's like, he led, you know, participate in, the, you know, in Alex's death or something. Um, and definitely some genuine concern there. So, when you were dealing with that, you know, and I know you guys... So I, I, it's hard for me to understand or to know, you know, what someone who doesn't have any clue what's going on, e- either in climbing or with you guys personally, um, what they're perceiving versus what I was perceiving. And, but, you know, I know you guys, I know you personally, I know what it's like to climb an El Cap. I know, you know, a lot of the folks that were involved with the film personally. So I understood your dilemma, but there was also part of me, you know, that sat there and, and, and thought to myself, I'm sure they're having this dilemma, but, you know, did anybody walk away or is everybody just like having the dilemma, but, you know, pressing record anyway? And so what what was really like, if you could go any deeper than what we saw in the film, you've just revealed that there was some worry about, you know, the the fallout from, well, that, that's a terrible pun, but <laughs> the fallout from him falling, but also, you know, you're, you're friends with Alex um, you know what something like that would do to the climbing community. You know, in the end, like I said, you pressed record. You were part of the film. Um, was there a moment at all where you were like, "No, I am gonna, I'm gonna deny, I'm gonna walk away from this thing." I have walked away from Alex before when he when he soloed the Phoenix. Um, he asked me to shoot it. You know, that was before this project, and I I said no. I said no when he on-site soloed Heaven as well. Um, he asked me both those times. And I was like, you know what, man? I'm just, no, I'm not interested. So yeah, I felt like I had the capability to walk away. I mean, this project was a lot right. a lot bigger. Once I committed, I mean, I, I did commit. You know, I don't think there was ever a point where I was going to walk away once we started shooting. I had like come to terms with it. And I was like, okay, this is sure. I'm going to do this. And 
Um, well, part of it too is I had a discussion with Alex a, a while ago about this and he was pretty much like, hey man, I'm going to do this. It's going to get shot. Somebody's going to shoot it. It can be you. It can be somebody else. He's like, but I would like to have you up there. I feel comfortable with you. You're not going to like do anything, you know, to knock me off. You're not going to drop anything on me. And so he pretty much, you know, peer pressured me into <laughs> working with him, you know, because what, what do sure. you say to that? You're like, you're like, okay, well, if something happens and I'm not up there and, you know, a camera guy like drops a lens on him and he dies and it's like, oh man, well... I should have been up there, I guess. And uh, he trusted me. I think that was super important. You know, he, he wanted us there. He wanted his friends there. Um, and that was, that was really important to him. He wouldn't have done the project with just anybody. That's for sure. What's interesting about the free soloing debate uh, in terms of the so-called media glorification of free soloing is that it's all framed around ideas of what ifs. Um, so few of the worst case examples that people use to bolster their arguments as to reasons why free soloing shouldn't be in the media uh, just have never occurred in reality. They've never mm -hmm. come to pass. And so um, I, th I think that the, the intellectual debate around the validity of free soloing being covered in the media journalistically you know, and if a commercial aspect comes out of that as well, then that is sort of in, ancillary to the, the the main focus of, of just documenting a, an incredible feat in the sport. It, it, so I, I, my, what I'm trying to get at is that a lot of this, you know, the bottom line is that the naysayers just don't really have a lot of ground to stand on because in, in my view, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, it's just so few instances of th these worst case scenarios have ever occurred at that point it's like what are we even talking about you know like we're worried about what ifs but it just hasn't happened yet so is is this really a debate that we that is worth having i guess yeah i mean right i, I can't think of any examples right when it happened it's simply a matter of of wanting to understand you know the real world intensity of what you were feeling in terms of of uh of filming alex doing this this incredibly dangerous thing you know what did you feel like when you woke up that morning and when you know the beep went off that here we go we're going for it you know we we, we found out that he was going for it the evening before not not too late i want to say like maybe like six o'clock or something like that and i uh i was down in the valley and you know we we were actually really prepared. There wasn't like a lot of last minute details that needed to be done by any means. We had practiced this so many times. We've all been up El Cap so many times. The camera gears are, you know, everything's on standby. And I, I actually chose to go for a bike ride through the valley. And at one point, I actually just lost it. I just like fully started crying. I was so, I was so nervous. I was so just scared you know um i don't know maybe there wasn't really reason to be but um i've been through a lot of dangerous you know situations in my life where you know uh, you know alpine climbing or whatever and um it just never hit me the same way i think it felt really immediate you know it felt like he actually could die up there i mean 
it's hard. You know, I watched him climb the thing. I don't know how many times. I mean, I spent more days with him on the boulder problem than anybody else. You know, I watched him do the karate kick. I don't know how many times. And like, I watched him fall off. You know, I watched him fall off with, with a rope on. So it's not that hard for me to like come to the conclusion that he might fall when he doesn't have a rope, you know? And I, I think I knew that as maybe better than almost anybody because I watched him do it. You know, I watched him so many times. I like watched him when he's on the like the double thunder clean, you know, thumb press. And it's just like, that is not secure. I don't care who you are. I don't <laughs> You send Alex Magos up there. He's not going to make it look secure. Andre's not going to make right. it look secure. Nobody's going to make it look secure. It's not secure. It doesn't matter how strong you are. Like, and, you know, I've grabbed it, those holes. I've done the move. Like, I really know. And I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was genuinely concerned that maybe he wasn't going to stick it. So I don't know. It was, it was a hard, it was, it was a hard 12 hours kind of leading up to it. One of the main challenges in climbing media in the last, you know, decade that Alex Honnold has been a dominant presence in the, in the scene is sort of trying to come to grips or just dissect what it is that makes him tick. Um, I, I think this film probably does a better job of, of getting at that answer than any other, you know, story or, or, or film that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but how, uh, I mean, just in your own personal subjective perspective, how, how do you view Alex in terms of just being able to separate, you know, his own, I guess, genuine, pure goals, if if that's even a thing well, versus I, the the pressures to, to be the, you know, the best free soloist in the world? I, I honestly, I don't, I don't think he separated it. I mean, Alex is so calculated and I believe that he actually said yes to the film intentionally because he knew that's what he needed. He like, he saw the film as an asset for him to like achieve the goal. Cause if he says, you know, if he says yes to this big production and this film crew, he's going to feel that pressure. And he knows that that pressure is probably going to like help him do it. So I, I, it's funny. I mean, I, I honestly think it's like he used us as a tool to do it. Like, you know, which, it's kind of crazy to think, but I, I actually, yeah, I think he wanted a little bit of that, you know, outside pressure um, just so he, you know, he commits to it and he does it. So, I mean, he, he totally, he, that's somewhat, that's, that's either the most fascinating thing I've heard or the most horrifying. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of like the stadium effect, right? Um, and I haven't done much research on this, but I, I, I mean, I assume this is true. You know, you, you put football players in front of 60,000 people. I mean, do they run faster? Or do they hit harder? You know, how much better is an NBA free thrower? You know, what's the percentages when you put them in front of a crowd? Does it go up? Do people try harder? I don't know. And I kind of, I kind of think yes. You know, you put or frighteningly, did it? Does it go down? I don't know. <laughs> they start I mean, missing. More. Interesting research project, right? But I mean, right. I think you know, you, you you put people in front of an audience, and I don't know. You know, I, I think, I think Alex. Well, I think there is a lot of research with just in terms of voicing goals out loud and, and 
you know, being held to a standard by your community of, of friends or, or some community that's wider than that. Yeah. Um, it can be a very strong motivating factor. Yeah. I mean, that all being I, said, I, I that's mean, really fascinating I, because, you know, we have this idealistic notion of free souling being these, this pure, you know, uh, the, the lone wolf like out on his adventure or for, you know, soulful reasons uh for spiritual nirvana and uh and the idea that it it could just be distilled down to something that is as crowd pleasing as like you know hitting a game-winning three-point shot Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know i think that that might rub climbers the wrong way yeah i mean everything's gonna rub climbers the wrong way you know i mean i think (laughs) but that's why we're here (laughs) yeah i mean obviously this this is this film wasn't made for climbers and uh yeah i mean i think i needed to play with the core audience and hopefully they didn't just rip us apart but i mean i don't know oh i know it's awesome i mean kind of like whatever to me honestly like i mean as long as it passes like the core climber like like you guys did, did it pass your test you know, and like to me, that's really important. But a lot of people, I'm not, I guess I'm not even that worried about it. Oh, uh, we loved the film. Yeah. We couldn't believe it. I mean, we were like, I, I thought about it for the next 30 hours. It was like at the front of my just thoughts. I just could not believe what I had seen. Um, and, and this is all knowing exactly what had happened, you know, a year before. So it, it really stayed with me. Yeah. Um, have you, have you gone back and seen it again? No, yeah. but I'd like to do that. Yeah. A lot of people have. I've actually yeah, been haven't. amazed. Right. So how many people are like, yeah, I've seen it twice. Like friends here in Portland have gone back mm-hmm. and bought another ticket. I'm like, what? I was like, huh, fascinating. You know, and I, I watched and I've seen it, I don't know how many times now, but uh, it, it, yeah, I actually think that the second and third time were, were definitely better, you know, and um, a lot of, there's a lot of subtlety in the film about Alex's character that I think it, it takes a couple of viewings to really pick up on. And that has to do with the way it was edited and, and the mastery of, of Chai and Bob Eisenhart, the editors. I mean, I think they did an incredible job at at kind of weaving all the pieces together in a very subtle way. You know, they didn't hit you over the head with with any of the ideas necessarily. So, which I, I think is is great. It makes you think, you know. Mikey, what are your predictions for the next person to... When is the next person going to free solo El Cap? I would. Do you see this happening, like in our lifetime? Yes. Or is this... I, I do. Yes. I mean, I yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I go. I kind of thought if uh, if Mark Andre was still was still with us, I could see that I could see him doing it. You know, ten years. He had the he had the head for it. He had the ability. He had the quirkiness. You know, he was. I mean, I think he was, you know, a little, a few, he was a few steps behind Alex as far as, you know, the rock climbing and El Cap goes, but, um, he was, he was right in there. So, um, you know, and so what's not to say, you know, in five years, we're going to have somebody that's similar, you know, there's a lot of climbers out there these days. So I'm, I'm not one to ever say anything's impossible in climbing or that it's not going to happen in our lifetime. That's for sure. So I, I, well, sooner than some people think. The history of climbing is that somebody, you know, the, the new unpredicted whatever is going to appear. Um, that, that's, it seems like that's just the way it works, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's more like when is somebody going to solo Golden Gate or the South? Hey, you know, actually take it up a notch even. I I mean, I I think we'll definitely see the South A sold in our lifetime. 
What about Alex? Is he, do you think that he has visions or goals of being the person to do those routes? Um, or is he just done? Is this, is this it for Alex? Is he, is it all <laughs> just uh candy and video games from now on? Yeah. Uh, well, so right after he sold it, um, at the end of the film, he's talking with Mark down there in the meadow. Um, they're kind of bantering back and forth and it's right before Alex goes and hangboards. But at one point, Alex was so giddy and so jacked up. He actually said, he's like, I might, I might go do it again. Like right now. I mean, I don't know how serious he really was, but I mean, I wouldn't have been that surprised if he just hucked another lap on it. And Would he's you have like, I, him? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't him? even know. Said, no, I can't handle another one I, today. I can't handle Wait till tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, his point was, he's like, I only did four hours of exercise today. I'm just not that yeah, tired. Yeah. And I'm sure the second lap would have been a lot more fun for him. You know, I'm sure he would have just, it would have been a whole different mindset and he would have been just cruising. There's plenty of Reddit theories out there that he has and has done it a bunch of times. So, <laughs> oh yeah, I don't, yeah it, that I don't think is, I don't think is true. But um, I well, okay. some people did think he actually soloed it before um, we actually shot it. You know, some people thought he had he had soloed it um, like six months before. We actually oh. heard that in the valley, and that we had done a really good job at just keeping it under wraps. But not 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 true. So. Well, cool. The only other question I have is that do you guys text back and forth about uh, Oscars? Does that come up at all within your conversations? Uh, not between Alex and I. We we just generally talk about hangboarding and, and climbing in the gym. <laughs> right. <on. laughs> That's a, yeah, we're still just climbing dorks when it comes down to it. You know, we're just like, hey, man, you, you, you want to sneak in a you know, gym session before this event? You know, like that's uh, that's about it. And uh, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, there, there's there's like whispers and there's talk. And uh, I mean, I, I don't even know. I, I mean, that world is so far removed from anything I understand or know anything about. And, you know, it's like, yeah, man, it would be pretty cool to go to the Oscars, right? Um, so that's not but, a tuxedo yeah. I see hanging in the background here on, on Skype. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you, to... <laughs> you kept Alex's secret second free solo under wraps this long. If I have to buy another, another suit, man, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> right I've on. already spent more money well, on cool, clothing. Mikey than I've ever wanted to in my life for this thing. So. <laughs> right. <on. laughs> yeah. It was worth it. It was job well done. Yeah. And a, a true gift for the climbing world, I think. Yeah. So thanks uh, for that. Yeah. Well, like I, I, I'm, I'm glad you guys appreciate it, you know, and I actually appreciate both your guys' voice in, in climbing and uh, I'll, I'll have to listen to the previous episode uh, on the podcast and uh, to actually hear what you guys think. And uh, I, I'm sure there's a full review coming on the, on your website, Andrew, as well. You know, um, one thing about podcasting is I've realized how much easier this is than writing. <laughs> so um, I, I might just be transitioning to a full-time radio face. Okay. Well, I, I actually, I, I honestly would though love to hear your, your written thoughts on it. I think oh, you, thanks, you do a great job at that. And, um, you just know climbing so well at this point and, um, you always seem to raise some like really fascinating points. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it. So, but I will listen to the previous episode too. So thanks Mikey. Cool. Thanks guys.
if you have a comment, topic suggestion, or just a good bit of climbing trivia, join us at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash runoutpodcast. Or drop us a line at our webpage, runoutpodcast.com. <laughs>